Welcome NFL football fans. It's that time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production. We're all the way up here to week six, uh, trying to make sense of all this craziness that's going on in the NFL, not just the kneeling for the anthem or anything. We all know about that. That's been done to death on virtually every network. But we're talking about uh, the actual games here. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, winning every other game, beating uh, potential playoff teams while losing to mediocre teams. I don't know. The Jets. The Jets have a three-game win streak. Seriously. I'm not making this up. All of you can go on, uh, look it up right now. The Jets have a three-game win streak. Cowboys have lost three out of the last four games and continue to plummet. Uh, Oakland Raiders still looking horrible. And now with EJ Manuel in, uh, you know, what's going to happen with them? We don't know, but I'll tell you what, I don't work uh, alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So let me go and introduce my co-host here, a man many of you already follow on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's C-H-R-I-S-L Sports. Simple spelling there. He is a pride of Rutgers University, and he is my very favorite East Coast intellectual. <laughs> here he is, uh, none other than, and I'll go ahead and raise a glass to him, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thank you for another fantastic introduction. You know, I guess that puts me in the likes of uh, Supreme Court justices, if you say East Coast intellectual, right? I'm, I'm flattered, flattered. Yeah, and you know what? I like you better than any of them. Let's, let's go ahead and say that right now. <laughs> thank you. I'm fair, right? Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, I noticed you have that uh, Vegas Strong hanging in the background there. So, uh, take so yeah, as you just in Vegas, yeah. Sure. As you mentioned last week, I went to Vegas. Um, two of my uh, best friends from uh, said institution, Rutgers, Stu and Paul, uh, came out from the East Coast, and we met up for a long overdue weekend. And uh, as fate would have it, it was the weekend after the uh, the tragic mass murder, frankly, at the Mandalay Bay. Um, we had a great time, but I will say that there was just kind of a pall over this city. You know, it was crowded. People were having fun, but it's not your usual raucous Vegas. But, you know, that said, hashtag Vegas strong. So this shirt here, we went to uh, Top Golf, which if you haven't been there before, rumor has it there's one coming near us in Anaheim, California, Charles. But uh, basically, it's like a driving range with uh, you have these kind of virtual games and you can hit targets and they serve beer for us adults and have food. So we enjoyed it. So afterwards... A huge bar area with giant TVs, almost like a sports book. And we hung out there and enjoyed the games. And turns out they have a sports book too. But some of the waiters and waitresses and staff there are wearing this shirt. And I said, hey, that's a great shirt. I'd like to get one. Well, long story short, there is a uh, employee there, the Top Golf in Vegas. His name is Nick Rabone. He's also an assistant uh, hockey coach at UNLV, right up your alley, Charles. And uh, luckily, he survived. Um, his brother was a paramedic. And stabilized him but you know it was pretty touch and go so what the good people at top golf are doing there is having a fundraiser they're selling these shirts you can probably find them online i'd like to point out this here for you non-hockey fans the uh brand new vegas golden knights got on board even had a fundraiser for them last friday night so props to them too um you know not only is it a cool shirt all the proceeds are going to nick and his recovery so uh you know we try and keep it light here and talk about football but i saw firsthand what happened my Friend Stu went down there and saw the memorial at the Vegas sign. I give him credit. I couldn't do it. But, you know, just, uh, just a reminder, you know, this is all trivial, kneeling and fantasy football and injuries and the Giants stinking, for instance. But uh, life is short. So it's things like that that really open your eyes. But uh, we wish Nick a speedy recovery. All right. Most definitely from all of us here at uh, Inside Sports. 
Okay, well, you know, Chris, let's uh, get right into it. Now, a lot of interesting storylines here. Like I mentioned in the Open, the, the Jets have a three-game win streak. I, I, I honestly didn't know that until I heard it uh, uh, while I was watching another show. And then what is up with the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Okay, they've won every other game. Season opens, win, loss, win, loss, win. Now, they've beaten the Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens, and Pittsburgh Steelers by a total combined score of 103-23, to but they lost to the uh, Tennessee Titans and New York Jets by a total combined score of 60-36, to and to top it all off, this week they're playing the Rams. <laughs> what, what do you make of this? What, what kind of team, what kind of schizophrenia are we talking about with these Jaguars? Well, when Blake Bortles is your quarterback, anything is possible, right? Uh, that said, big picture, you look at Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin, who's in charge of football ops there, that's their style of football. The uh, pound, pound, uh, ground and pound that our buddy Rex Ryan could never seem to figure out, Jacksonville has. Leonard Fournette. Everyone's talking about Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson, but Leonard Fournette's got to be in the running for Rookie of the Year. Guy's a beast, ran all over the place, spinning. Um, when you control the ball like that with a, with a stud running back like Fournette, you don't have to throw the ball much, and that's why Jacksonville, when they are blowing teams out, they're controlling the line of scrimmage, and their defense, <clears throat> five interceptions of Ben Roethlisberger, and look, we know they drafted on that side of the ball, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, to name a few, and that's coming to fruition, so they've got a, a good mixture there, and you know, I heard, you know, New York, they love their rumors and their speculation and jumping to conclusions. Someone theorized, well, maybe Tom Coughlin will trade for his favorite quarterback, Eli Manning, to, to try and make a playoff run. Will it happen? I don't know, but it makes her good fodder. But, uh, yeah, definitely a team hard to figure out. But uh, I really do like that defense. Yeah, and, you know, no matter how this week's game turns out, it's going to be nice to see uh, two of the best run young running backs there, Leonard Fournette and Todd Gurley, on the same field competing again, just like we had uh, Todd Gurley and, uh, and Ezekiel Elliott just a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, let's move on to – we talked about your New York Giants. Uh, now 0-5 looks like the – playoffs are not going to happen let's go ahead and say that and they lost I've never seen a team literally lose every receiver in one game Odell Beckham is out for the season uh, with the broken ankle uh, Sterling Shepard is also done oh, well excuse me he's the only one who's actually going to come back he's supposed to come back in about four weeks or so Brandon Marshall is done with a foot and uh, Dwayne Harris who doesn't even really uh, play receiver that much he's mainly a kick returner He's done for the year as well. So it was like in one fell swoop, it just crushed all hope you may have had there. Yeah, you know you're in trouble when the great Roger Lewis is your uh, number one receiver. And uh, at some point, I'm, I was wondering if even they're going to line up Evan Ingram as kind of a glorified wide receiver and split him out. And uh, I guess they didn't give Victor Cruz a call. I was surprised by that. should have brought him back. But, yeah, I think uh, – this season remind me a little bit of 03 of their high expectations and Jim Fossil's last year and they completely crapped out and went four and twelve. But uh, at this point, you know, pull us uh, pull an NBA move, tank the season. There are a number of quarterbacks you get at the top of the draft and uh, get yourself essentially a franchise quarterback. Maybe Eli's got a year or two left. So sorry about that. Now the New York media is calling me. Um, you can you can groom him. <laughs> I'll. Uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's in bed right now. But uh, yes, essentially, maybe get your quarterback of the future. It's worth a shot, especially considering the Jets keep messing up and winning, right? Well, you know, you think about that though. The move, what what you talked about with uh, Eli Manning, though, is it maybe time, like you said, uh, Eli's maybe got a year or two left 
if you traded him to a Jacksonville or something, go ahead, get yourself some draft picks and uh, maybe just build for the future. Because he's, like I said, a year or two, that's that's it. You're going to have to start from the ground up, so you can't really build around a 35-year-old quarterback, can you? No, you can. And also the Chargers and Steelers are learning that fairly quickly, so they may also be in the market for a quarterback in the next April. Well, maybe the Jackson, maybe the Jaguars wind up with one of those three. Maybe either Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, or Ben Roethlisberger goes over to uh, Jacksonville. But then again, you know, let's look at Ben Roethlisberger and the now the game before this one. Now this season, or excuse me, this last game, he throws five interceptions against Jacksonville. Two of those were pick sixes. And the week before that, he doesn't see Antonio Brown, who's wide open out in the flat, and Brown was super supremely uh, just majorly miffed about that they talked about it all week in fact so maybe ben is reaching that point where it's not necessarily the arm strength the body but there's a certain level of concentration that goes on with playing the, the uh, position of quarterback and uh, i've seen that start to go on older quarterbacks yeah definitely and even going into this season the offseason he kind of intimated that uh, he might be ready to hang it up well Apparently, I think mentally he has hung it up. I'm not sure how much gas is left in the tank. I don't know if injuries have caught up with him, but he's he's definitely not the same quarterback he was. And uh, you know, being uh, having Steelers in your lineage, Charles, what uh, what do you think the Steel City thinks there? Is he kind of mentally thrown in the towel, or is it more a function of uh, he's just gotten too banged up? Yeah, uh, you got to wonder. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just not good. But you know, now we talked about the injuries of the New York Giants, and of course, I got to mention everybody in Houston is like, hey, say, what about us? So, of course, Houston Texans on the opening drive against Kansas City, they lose both J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. Now, this is the two best defensive players off of a defense that is already missing Brian Cushing because he's serving his annual suspension for PD, PED usage, you know. So, But still, they only lost by, what was it, six points to uh, Kansas City, so... Uh, Houston, a good team, and I think a, a lot better than people expected. And, you know, this kind of brings up the Cleveland Browns who wound up with the wrong Deshaun. They needed Deshaun Watson. They had Deshaun Kaiser. Fortunately for Houston, uh, they have Deshaun Watson, who's keeping them in games, uh, playing great at the quarterback position. Yeah, I guess that that wasn't part of Paul D. Podesta's money ball plan to take over the NFL, was it? I know there are a number of people out there, personnel types and scouts, that wonder if the, the – Browns would go for Watson. They didn't. And look, let's be frank. Last year, they traded out a pick where they could have had Carson Wentz. So I'm not sure what's going on there. If, you know, like the, the organization's just cursed or they don't believe in paying big bucks for a top-of-the-line quarterback at the front of the draft. I'm not sure. But last I checked, you go nowhere in the NFL with a, at least a, a very good to, to great quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of great quarterbacks, uh, the great Aaron Rodgers doing it again this past week with the uh, last second last second drive winning against Dallas and you know that that brings into some question marks here one is we got to look at the Packers as possibly this is the season they get to the Super Bowl because there's a lot of uh, a lot of weaknesses there in those NFC teams in fact we could have a good old school Packers and Chiefs Super Bowl I could just see uh, Lynn Dawson and Bart Starr on opposite sides of the field there but uh, yeah, Rodgers, and then, but we look at Dallas. Dallas has now lost three out of four games. Uh, they're going into the bye week, but that honeymoon may be over with Dak and Zeke because last year everything they did was fantastic because there were no expectations. This year they come in, and the city is saying, take us to the Super Bowl. 
And this Dallas team is really, they seem to be cracking under the pressure. Yeah, and throw in there Des Bryant, who's all but become invincible the last, uh, I don't know, year or two, I'd say. Really, he's not the player he was. But, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought going in, given the, the toughness of the schedule, and even if El- Elliot played the distraction of the potential suspension, that the Cowboys would have problems. But uh, didn't think it'd be this bad this soon. Um, I think, ultimately, teams are daring the, the Cowboys to, you know, they're going to stuff the line, see if Elliot can run. They're not going to let him. <clears throat> At that point, will Dak beat you? Probably not, and that's what's happening, and that's been a recipe for success. I think the bigger problem is the Cowboys are putting points up. Their defense is just atrocious, and it's been the same story for the past few years. I know they miss Sean Lee, but Rodgers lit up that secondary again, and that was kind of my theory going into picking them last week is that for whatever reason, Rodgers just, when push comes to shove, you get him in that hurry-up two-minute drill, whatever the case is, he just picked apart that secondary. Until that's fixed, uh, nothing's going to change in Dallas with a tougher schedule approaching. Yeah, absolutely true. And then, uh, you know, moving on, we got to look at, you know, some of the other teams. Uh, the Rams, now they did lose this past week, obviously, 16-10 to 10 to, to Seattle. But looking at the Rams, I'd still look at them very optimistically because they committed five turnovers, like two interceptions, lost two fumbles, and still only lost by six points to Seattle. Normally, when you commit five turnovers to a team like Seattle – you're probably going to get buried 35-3 to or something, but they were in it all the way to the end. And if Cooper Cup can hang on to that uh, pass right at the end zone, then they wind up pulling this thing out. So uh, still say a lot of hope for Rams fans for this season. Yeah, definitely. And a pylon got in the way of Todd Gurley and a touchdown right. and you know, some right. kind of <laughs> sketchy clock management by uh, by McVay. But, yeah, I think that's a good sign. And it's also a bad sign for the Seahawks that they – had this many opportunities handed to him, and they couldn't put the Rams away. I, you know, I don't know if people still think they're a front runner in the AFC West, but at the very least, they're a vulnerable team. Yeah, like a lot of teams are. And then uh, we, something we talked about before the uh, Saints went into the bye week, and that was they were finding themselves, but they were finding themselves without Adrian Peterson. And as of today, Tuesday, October 10th, Adrian Peterson officially goes from the Saints to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals now cut Chris Johnson, who can go back to sitting on his living room couch and watching tapes of himself in that one 2,000-yard season he somehow had. But uh, they, they need a running back there. They've got him, and uh, it looks like the Saints are ready to march without him. Adrian Peterson only got uh, 47 carries while he was there in the, uh, in the Saints offense. So I think it is good that the Saints realized early on, and i got to give it to Peyton for understanding that you know this guy, no matter how great a runner he is or has been, doesn't quite fit into our offense, and they went ahead and moved him. Yeah, they did. And, you know, as we kind of talked about in week two, his days had to be numbered, at least from a playing time perspective, when he's giving Peyton the stink eye on the sideline and pouting. So (laughs) props to them for moving him soon. And, you know, we we know the Cardinals love those kind of older reclamation projects like Dwight Freeney. So maybe he'll do well there. I don't know if he's got the power he once had, but at this point, he's better than the options in the Arizona backfield. And then, yeah, let's let's toot our own horn again. The uh, Alvin Kamara fantasy football drum we've been beating here the last few weeks. It looks like he's going to get a lot of reps and not just as a uh, a, Dwy- a kind of a Darren Sproles type player. Yep. There we go. So, and of course, uh, Arizona they just got buried this past week against uh, against Philadelphia. That was that was ugly, <laughs> to say the least. All righty, so moving on here, as you know, we've got a couple other segments. Remember, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow myself at, 
at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And we're about to get into the other segments here. We're going to pick the five most intriguing games of the week and then also our Gambler's Delight picks and some fantastic fantasy football advice, which has been right on point, I must say, up until this point in the season. So hopefully we can continue that. Uh, Chris, you got some words for us before we get into those segments? Yeah, definitely. Um, the Oakland Raiders really better hope that Derek Carr gets back because, I mean, how E.J. Manuel is still in the NFL is beyond me. Uh, on the flip side, you know, Look at Josh McCown. I mean, I'm not saying the Jets are by any means going to uh, have a winning season or anything like that, but it's a good story. This team was essentially written off and forgotten about, and the guy finally went into Cleveland and won a game where he once played. Uh, Part of that is the mismanaging of Hugh Jackson and company in Cleveland, but I thought that was an interesting story. And finally, too, in keeping with my theme of uh, washed-up quarterbacks, how about Case Keenum last night coming off the bench um, good guy. My son and I met him at Rams camp last year. I'm happy for him. Why they rushed Bradford out there when he was clearly limping, I'm not sure. But n- nice to see Keenum come in. And, and Mitch Trubisky didn't do half bad compared to Mike Lennon. But uh, you, you like to see stories like that of uh, kind of guys who are forgotten about or looked over or bounce around the league. But uh, I really don't think EJ Manuel's long for this league. And uh, finally, Charles. Nick Folk got released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know we're all heartbroken and saddened. I hope that team finds a kicker at some point or they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. They are teetering on the edge here, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. And, uh, yeah, when you talk about the Oakland Raiders, though, even with Derek Carr, we got to look at how bad their offense has been uh, really since, what, the second game of the season or so. The offensive line is getting completely dominated. And from what I understand, there's, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator this year, and I guess it may be a little too vanilla like, uh, like the situation the Rams had last season when, you know, Gurley couldn't even get past the line of scrimmage because everyone and their brother knew what play was coming next. So they've got some things to fix there, definitely there in Oakland. And beyond Derek Carr getting back, we got to remember how bad they were playing when, before Derek Carr got injured. Yeah, they're having issues with the offensive line. Defense didn't know whether they were coming or going. And mm-hmm. frankly, uh, beast mode looks like he's already what, run out of gas in week five after week five. So they've got issues, to say the least. And and I don't know what's happened to Amari Cooper. That guy uh, has completely disappeared and, and suddenly likes to drop the ball. I'm not sure what happened there with him. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. The five more, more of the intriguing matchups. You may not say the most intriguing, but – Hey, you know, we think they're pretty good games here. They'll at least be entertaining. Starting out with the uh, Thursday night contest, Mr. Lardieri, you want to set this up for us? Sure. For the second week in a row, we've actually got quite a compelling Thursday night game. Usually they're uh, duds, Browns, Ravens type games. But uh, this week, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles sitting atop the NFC East, getting five points heading to Carolina to uh, face the Panthers. And Everyone had written off Cam Newton for dead and that his arm was shot and he was uh, a sexist pig to boot, but big win on the road and holding on in Detroit. And uh, frankly, I, th- I think this is a very interesting game. At the very least, could have wild card implications down the road because it looked like looks like these two are playoff bound where we stand now in October. Um, I like the way the Eagles are playing. Carson Wentz has definitely matured. I'm going to go with the home team. I, I like the way the-, the Panthers are playing. Cam seems to have gotten in a groove. Christian McCaffrey starting to, to heat up and show the, the promise that made him such a high draft pick. And uh, let's face it, that defense in Carolina, as long as Luke Keekley's there and Thomas Davis, the ageless wonder, 
Um, I like my chances with that team. So I'm going to go Panthers on Thursday night. Yeah, okay. Well, this is going to be a great game, as you say, but I'm going to go with the other side. I, I love the way Carson Wentz under pressure. I really like the way that he plays. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Philadelphia here. Uh, no blowout by any means. I think this is a close one. It's going to come down into the fourth quarter, probably as close as this Monday night game. Hopefully it doesn't end on an interception or anything like that. But a uh, great game. I'm just going a little bit the other way. You know, this is almost it's like almost a coin flip for me. But I'm going to go ahead and say the Eagles. Ah, those dirty birds. How dare you? <laughs> okay, and then the next game, uh, Detroit Lions. And they are in, uh, in New Orleans to face the Saints, who are now without Adrian Peterson. Detroit, uh, they dropped last week. I uh, lost 27-24 to Carolina. They are a five-point underdog here. So I think one thing is with Detroit, uh, okay, Matthew Stafford, he got a little bit injured. So even if he does play, he's going to be slightly hobbled here. Uh, the Saints defense has been playing surprisingly well this year. So I'm going to say with uh, Stafford possibly injured and maybe you know not at 100%, that's going to tip the scales that way. So I'm going to go ahead with uh, New Orleans home team uh, with the win here. All right, we're, I like your logic, but we're going to disagree again. Um, I, I know these teams are very potent on the offensive side. Defensively, it's just a matter of which team will show up. Uh, I do think that Matthew Stafford is one of the toughest dudes in the NFL. A guy played last year with a broken finger and managed to will his team into the playoffs. I know they had a rough loss to Carolina, but there was a lot of fight in that team. They fought down till the very end. And uh, the fact that Detroit, even though they are going into the Big Easy, it's a dome. They're used to it. Uh, I'm going to pick the Lions. I think they're on a roll this year. I think they and Green Bay will be fighting it out to the end to win the NFC North. Detroit is the pick. All right. Fantastic. This is definitely a game that is going to bear watching. As is, you know, interestingly enough, uh, the next game. Chris, break that one down for us. Yeah, the, uh, the L.A. Rams coming off a tough loss to the Seahawks goes into uh, Jacksonville, the uh, – the, the legendary Blake Bortles at the helm. Well, not legendary. And uh, the Rams are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um, you know, they're a very schizophrenic team. We know that. My logic here is simply off of momentum. For whatever reason, uh, the Jaguars like to beat good teams, as you mentioned earlier. I categorize the Rams as a good team. they got a winning record. Uh, I, I do think they have playoff aspirations. It's not unreasonable. I think at the end of the day, the Rams' defense has been vulnerable. They weren't as much on this past Sunday, but I think that's more a function of the anemic Seahawks offense. I think if uh, going into that heat and flying cross-country, if they can pound the ball with Fournette and let their defense win the game like they've been doing, I think that's a recipe for success. I'm going to pick Jacksonville. They're going to keep chugging along. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. You, you look at the momentum of Jacksonville, but I look at their record, win, loss, win, loss, win, this week it's going to be the Rams who are going to win this game. They're due for a loss, but I think the Rams, because the defense is pretty quick, they're going to force Bortles into some bad decisions, and we know he makes those. I wouldn't be surprised if Bortles threw three picks in this game. Three picks in this game, and I think the Rams uh, win this. And, in fact, I would not be terribly surprised if the Rams won this one rather easily just because of that. Once they get into a hole, you get Jacksonville into a hole, that takes Fournette out of the game. So the Rams jump on them quick, jump on them early, put them in an early hole, make Blake Bortles beat you. And we know how that happens, how that turns out when Blake Bortles tries to beat you. Has he beaten anyone? I don't know. He's going to this week. <laughs> okay. All right, so now we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are 
kind of having an up and down season, uh, sitting at two and two. They're going to be in Arizona, Arizona with a newly acquired Adrian Peterson. Arizona sitting at two and three. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a uh, two and a half point favorite. So Buccaneers in Arizona. I think Arizona, Arizona has to have this game. They have to. They got to come back from that poor performance. Adrian Peterson, I think, chomping at the bit to finally get in there, be part of the offense. He should be energized, provided he's got enough left in the tank. So I'm going home team here. Uh, the Buccaneers have really not been that clutch this year as far as what I see. So I'm going to say the team that needs this game the most is going to win it. I'm going with Arizona, the home team, to, uh, to beat the Buccaneers. I'm going to disagree with you again. I think Tampa with the extra few days off, uh, watching that game closely against the Patriots, frankly, Dirk Cutter made me scratch what's left of my hair. <laughs> Doing an onside kick with that much time left in the game. It's a little yeah. bit of curious two-minute drill by Jameis Winston. Um, had a chance to win the game right down to the very last play. Nick Folk's gone, so if they need kicks, uh, I'm, I didn't notice who the new kicker was, but I'll go on record and say he's better than uh, Folk Uruguayo. And uh, the fact that I think the uh, the Arizona offense, look, Carson Palmer looks like he's washed up, even if Peterson is ready and picks up the offense. I don't like them against that Tampa D, so I'm going Buccaneers. All right. Perfect. Uh, very sound reasoning, and uh, that'll definitely be a game that I want to watch as well. Uh, why don't you break down the last contest here for us? The uh, L.A. Chargers, not San Diego, head into <laughs> Oakland to play their uh, bitter rivals, the Raiders. Um, last week, Chargers coming off a, a big win. Someone had to win that game, beating the Giants. Uh, the Raiders, we know they're in a tailspin without Derek Carr. Um I hate to be conditional with my bets. Uh, you know, it's Tuesday night. It's still early. I don't know if Carr's playing. If he does, I'm picking the Raiders. If not, there's no way in hell I'm picking EJ Manuel, even <laughs> against the lowly Chargers and Phil Rivers with his turnovers. So uh, there's my conditional pick, I guess. Uh, you know, if, if, if I can make the rules, I will here in this case. But, yeah, uh, yeah I'm hoping you agree with me in this uh, what-if statement. Well, I, I do – to some degree, but I still think that the the Raiders have more problems than than people really think. I mean, it's one thing to be just a, kind of a, a mediocre team, which is, the Chargers are showing themselves to be, but the Raiders, I think, have true problems down to the core of of who the team is, not just the personnel, because they have the same personnel who are just underachieving this year. So they have deeper problems, and I think it may end up with. Uh, the, the the offensive coordinator and Jack Del Rio maybe uh, duking it out in the locker room or something. But uh, I'm going to take the char I'm going to take the Chargers to uh, to win this game. I think, and when that happens, nobody's going to be able to ignore the problems that the Raiders really have when they lose this game to the Chargers. And uh, next week, dominating all of uh, the sports talk will be the Raiders if they lose this game to the Chargers, which I think they're going to do. Wow. So you're saying they may have to pack up the Mayflower trucks in the middle of the night and head down to Vegas? Could we be Well, the that? offensive coordinator might have to. <laughs> we'll be in witness protection somewhere outside of Vegas. <laughs> okay, everybody. So that's the picks of the week here. Picked some of the five most intriguing games. Now gets into the fun parts of the show. Well, what can I say? It's all fun. But, you know, the Gambler's Delight pick of the week, and this is one of those things we give you some advice in case you're at a sports book in Vegas. You got $20 burning a hole in your pocket. You want to place a football bet. Got to bet on one team, one game, an over under, or anything like that. Here's some advice. We've been doing this since week one. Now, Chris, 
he he says that he's not you know just he just happens to be from Jersey, but doesn't mean he necessarily knows anything about gambling. But let's just say he's five and zero on the season with his gambler's delight picks. I'm only at two and three. Chris, you go first. You are the man. Thank you. For the record, I was in the state of Nevada. It's legal there. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> I bet the Chargers. My friend Paul thought I was crazy that I was happy that the Chargers scored late, and I explained to him, no, I'm going to get the best of both worlds. The Giants are going to score here and cover the bet, and I was able to watch a brutal football game without losing my mind because I had money on it. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'd like the streak to continue. I try not to pick the same teams over and over. My, my one caveat is that I like underdogs. And there are a bunch of lines this week that aren't even on the board, like uh, Mariota Hurt with Tennessee at Indy on right. Monday night. Uh, Vikings, I'm not sure who's going to be the quarterback there. No line on that game. Um, going to have to go back to the well again and pick a team I used earlier this year. But when I look at this line, it stands out to me. The Lions are getting five points going into New Orleans. I'm going to use the same logic. I think at the very least they keep this game close. Personally, as I said in the picks, I think they win this game. But five is a lot of points for a Lions team that I think is pretty sound. And a Saints team, while they're playing well, um, I'm still not sold on them defensively. And when they have played in the past, these turn into shootouts. So there's your pick. Lions plus five. Hopefully the streak continues. And this logic may be based on my New Jersey brain, but it's also using a, a little bit of analytics not associated with Paul D. Podesta passing on quarterbacks. All right, perfect. And you know what? I'm going to actually go back to the well again, and I'm taking the L.A. Rams uh, getting two-and-a-half points. Take the Rams. Take those two-and-a-half points against Jacksonville. Um, do we really think Blake Bortles is going to keep this up? Really? And – you know, we got we better hope Leonard Fournette has a huge day in order for Jacksonville to win. Everybody out there, go ahead, put that 20 bucks on the Rams, get those two and a half points, sit back, enjoy the game, and hopefully you'll be thanking us both come next Tuesday, but more than likely, uh, Chris, and then hopefully I can get back into it here. Yeah, it'd be nice for you to join me. You're good at picking the games. You're just not good with the money, I guess, right? So yeah, exactly. So overall, with the picks, I'm 18 and seven. You are 17 and eight now. So I do have a one-game lead there. But when the money's on the line, it is Chris Money Lardieri who comes to play. Yeah, it's not your fault. You weren't born in Jersey. That wasn't your choice. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Now let's go ahead and get into. Uh, as we were just talking about gambling, I would talk about something that technically is not gambling, even though it is a lot of fun for a lot of people. And that is uh, fantasy football. Chris knows a thing or two about that, too. He's been doing that for many, many, many years. Mr. Lardieri. And you've been doing very well this year. This year. Uh, fantasy football tips for the universe. Everybody get out those pens and paper. Yeah, uh, went to 5-0. and I had to play Eli a quarterback because Mariota was hurt. And, you know, he did his usual not enough for my team. But who's counting? Special thanks to DeAndre Hopkins. Like I told you a few weeks ago to get Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, I didn't stash him on my bench. I wish I had. But as we head in here to bye weeks, quarterbacks are going to be important. So with Mariota Hurt on a Monday night, I'm going to throw a name out there. You may think I'm crazy. Jacoby Brissett will be out there on waivers. At the very least, if you've got Mariota and don't know if he's going to start, might be a game-time decision. Plug in Brissett. They're both going to play Monday. You don't have to worry about like being stuck without a quarterback or having to start when you may not necessarily want to. He's been putting up decent points as a fantasy quarterback. He is no Scott Tolzien and you know, T.Y. Hilton, and he have been able to develop a rapport. There's one right there. If you're really desperate, you've got someone hurt or there's no one out there on waivers, um, Andy Dalton's on a bye week. That may be someone to look for next week if you need a backup. But uh, 
look, if Case Keenum starts, plug him in. Uh, you know, look at Josh McCown going into New England. You're going to think I'm crazy. The Patriots will roll the Jets. The Patriots have made geniuses out of all the quarterbacks they faced this year from a fantasy football perspective. I mean, I don't know what it is with their pass rush and their secondary, but at the very least, you get 15 to 20 points out of your quarterback, you should be happy in fantasy. Uh, there are a couple running backs out there that people are going to look for. Jarek McKinnon, who really didn't do a heck of a lot the last few years, had a 95 yards and a 58-yard run. He's going to be popular out there on waivers if you need a running back. Wayne Gallman and Orleans Darkwa from the Giants did well. At this point, there's no one to throw the ball to, so the Giants better start running at some point. And then Elijah McGuire with the Jets. You know, they've got Bilal Power, but he's been getting some reps too. Uh, finally, you two teams coming off a bye week. If you need a defense, keep an eye on the Washington Redskins playing the 49ers. Tough luck team. I watched that game. But, you know, we all know Brian Hoyer likes throwing interceptions. You may want to pick up the Redskins D and also the Falcons with another favorable matchup. Remember, when teams come off of buys, they're sitting out there on waivers. People have ADD. They forget about them. Those are two teams you can go pick up. And then, like I've said before, look at matchups. So I have Sammy Watkins on my team. I like Sammy Watkins. I think he's going to do good things. But I saw he was going up against the Seahawks, and if Sherman wasn't covering him, they were going to count for him. They did. So you've got to go, and at this point, if, if uh, Watkins, who really isn't getting a lot of targets, teams are keying on him. I like him. He's a good receiver. Put him on your bench. Start a guy who you know is a number two that's going to get targets. Uh, I've got this uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on the Patriots. He's got a great name for whatever reason. Ben's been throwing to him lately with Martavius Bryant banged up. Uh, there's an example of what you need to do there. And then, um, like I said last week, it's not just this week's buy. Look at next week. If you're out there on waivers and you see, oh, I've got so-and-so on buy next week, stash a guy on the bench. So that way you don't have to overpay for him when the buy weeks really come to fruition. So look ahead. Good luck. And remember, there's always going to be injuries, but there will always be replacements out there. Is Roger Lewis worth picking up on the Giants? I don't know. Honestly, I'd probably go and look for another receiver on another team who might be getting more targets. But uh, that's my advice. Hang in there. I mean, each year I say it gets more and more brutal with injuries, but just look at what happened to Giants receiving core alone, and then J.J. Watt, that affects the Texans' defense. That's an ever-changing game, but you can win or lose based on what you do on free agency and fantasy. There you go. A very sage advice there, Mr. Lardieri. Remember, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. You can follow yours truly on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Uh, Chris, I'll give you final words here. Why, thank you. You know, not much has been made about NFL TV ratings in the last week, and I know they were up substantially for the Cowboys-Packers game, and that was a favorite theme of mine. Everyone likes to sing doom and gloom with the NFL, and Frankly, under Roger Goodell's leadership, anything is possible. But that said, I think what we're noticing here with NFL viewers is two things. One, they watch the really good games. And two, they're not necessarily watching on their TV. In case in point, my daughter at a softball game, my son's on the phone watching on direct TV or Red Zone or whatever he can find a game on. Does that get accounted to in TV ratings? No, it doesn't. And there are people who also stream online, or maybe they do that direct TV package with students in college do, and they... They get it on their laptop. So people are watching the games. They're being more selective. I mean, honestly, was I going to watch the 49ers and Colts unless I have money on it? Heck no. But, you know, most people aren't going to either. So, um, yeah, I, I just think the, uh, the, the fact that the empire is crumbling and Rome is burning in terms of television, I don't see it. I mean, where else are you going to find this sort of drama and action and interest. I love baseball. I'm enjoying the playoffs, but some of these games are four hours long. I don't know how you guys and girls on the East Coast stay, stay up for these games. So uh, 
that's my rant. I'm sticking to it. There you go. And, you know, I'm just kind of interested to see what happens with the whole uh, standing or kneeling for the national anthem thing. If they do issue the order that everyone must stand, what I like about it is that we're going to see what these guys are actually made of because this whole thing of kneeling for the national anthem is as easy as changing your Facebook profile pic to support whatever a cause is. So if they can no longer do that, or even if they did it and the TV cameras were no longer on them, that little protest is over. So let's see these guys who claim they're so into uh, social change and all of these other positive things, what are they going to actually do when it's on them to actually truly be proactive and make some changes? Let's see what these guys have really got. That's what well, I'm looking hopefully they'll do to. Like, like you or I do. Like I won't mention my employer, but I'm not going to be politicking at work. And I have strong opinions on certain things. And, uh, you know, hopefully these guys step up and, and do something outside if they can't kneel. That said, if they do not put the edict down, I think it'd be hysterical of Jerry Jones. You know, one week I kneel and the next week no one better kneel on my team. I'd love to see Dak, Dez, and Ezekiel all kneel before the game and see what he does then. I would Jason Garrett come out of retirement to play quarterback that week. So uh, it's too bad. I, uh, I would have really loved for that to happen, but I don't think it will. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, everybody, uh, that's the show for this week. Thank you for watching. Remember, every week it's NFL Football Talk. This is an inside sports production. For Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. We will see everybody next week. Enjoy the games. Brink here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah. To, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.